This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. How are you doing? Very good, mate. How are you? Very well, thanks. Let's start with non-farm payroll day, of course, the first Friday of the month. And we had some surprising figures. The US economy adding 467,000 jobs last month, and that was despite the surge of Omicron. While the labour market at the end of 2021 was a lot stronger than previously reported. So that has offered a bit of respite, hasn't it, for President Joe Biden. He's had a rough time recently. His presidency is is flagging. So these numbers have come as a bit of a relief, I expect. Yeah, politically, it is a it is a really good report. We had very strong jobs growth, far stronger than the markets had anticipated, especially when you take into consideration the ADP report earlier this week, which indicated there was going to be job losses of around 300,000. So the fact that we saw 467,000 job gains shows once again that there is an inconsistency between those two initial readings, but also it's a very much a, an upside surprise. We saw the unemployment rate tick slightly high to 4%, but that was actually driven by the fact that participation uh, rose quite considerably. So from 61.9% to 62.2%, and it was expected to drop to 618 And the important thing from that standpoint is participation has remained stubbornly low since the pandemic. People taking either longer to come back to work for whatever reasons, or actually retiring, which means that the labour force may be permanently slightly lower and the reason why that's a problem is because if there's fewer people in the workforce but there's still strong uh, demand for labor then all of a sudden you get this additional tightness in the labor market which means that there's more competition for places even at a time when the economy hasn't fully recovered and that's where we see this stronger wage growth now ordinarily you would say well strong wage growth is good that's what we want to see especially if it's combined with productivity which means that that doesn't get passed on to end prices and that doesn't get passed on to higher inflation which means the central bank has to ramp things up but that's not what we're seeing right now and that's where the problem lies we are seeing much higher wage growth in fact in january on a yearly basis it jumped by 5.7 percent on a monthly basis it was 0.7 percent both of those were far ahead of expectations once more So we are seeing strong wage growth, but we are also seeing it at a time when there's almost like artificial labour market tightness. We're also seeing it at a time when there is inflation elsewhere, um, which means that it's all contributing to this higher CPI reading, which is why central banks around the world are having to act much faster. So what started as supply side inflationary pressures has become more widespread. And we're also now seeing it in the labour market as well. So from a positive perspective, yes, strong wage growth, low unemployment, thumbs up. From a maybe a negative perspective, what we are effectively seeing is continuing signs of significant labour market tightness. And uh, we are still seeing that overly strong wage growth, which means the Fed is going to be forced into raising interest rates at a, a very fast pace, which could ultimately stifle the economy, which is not what we want to see. So at this point in time, the Fed is expected to raise interest rates by around five times this year. Again, that's a number that continues to go higher. That's something where that some have even suggested we may see more aggressive again. We could even see six or seven, as Jamie Dimon said just a few weeks ago. And that is something that's going to come as a concern. And it's because of those additional rate hikes and that additional tightening that the markets are continuing to struggle, why the tech sector has been hit so hard. And it's not just the US where we are seeing this. We are seeing this 
around the world as well as we spoke about yesterday with the Bank of England and the ECB and the changing expectations on that front. So long story, well, it's not long story short anymore, but it's a very good jobs report on the face of it. But there's parts of it that I think the Federal Reserve would like to see, like higher labour force participation, which may start to take some of the wage pressures out. But there's parts of it that the Fed may be a little bit disappointed to see, which is the continuing surge in wages and continuing tightness in the labour market in terms of these strong employment figures, which pressures them to do something they're clearly reluctant to do. Of course, the danger is, Craig, if you raise interest rates too quickly and too often, you can cause a recession. Exactly. And ultimately, that's something that central banks are concerned about. We already heard about it yesterday from Andrew Bailey, the Bank of England, as we touched on in yesterday's podcast, this idea that we know we're contributing to the squeeze on households and businesses. And we know that this is not an ideal situation. The, the problem that we have right now is that a squeeze now is not going to be as bad as much higher inflation later this year and next. So inflation is ultimately the biggest threat. So what we really want to see right now, as much as we enjoy seeing signs that the economy is doing well, what we really want to see right now is signs that inflation is peaking and even starting to drop, which alleviates the pressure, which means we're not having to raise interest rates at a time when households and businesses least need it. Let's talk about Amazon, Craig. And Amazon stock has rallied today after the company announced a big increase in the price of its popular Prime membership scheme. Shares have jumped more than 10%. Yeah, it's quite a price boost, so it's going to be relatively experimental. This is, I think it's only the third time in more than a decade that we've actually seen them increase the prices of its Prime membership, and I think it's only in the US as well. So I think it's going to be relatively experimental to see just how big an impact this does have on subscribers, but also maybe a knock-on effects in terms of its sort of products. You know, these companies right now, at the moment, they do create ecosystems uh, so that you, you're kind of tied into these things. And what you don't want to do is push people away from the ecosystem, which is probably one of the reasons you can imagine why they tend to keep the service uh, offering relatively cheap so you buy more products. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what that does. From a shareholder perspective, it's obviously great because you've got a product that's sticky. You've got something where you're charging X amount and you get this uh, surprise, um, uh, unexpected increase, which is unexpected additional income for the future. So yes, we've seen a very big bump in the uh, share price today. And um, it'll be interesting to see now over the coming months because it's going to be implemented by the end of this month for new subscribers. I think early next month, if I'm not mistaken, for existing subscribers. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of an impact this does have, both in terms of the top and bottom lines, but also then also on uh, on subscribers. So it's going to be a really interesting one to follow and potentially it's going to be something that's going to be looked at for other companies who are in a similar boat in terms of relying on subscriber numbers in markets where they are seeing saturation. What about earnings overall, Craig? We've had a raft of them over the last week or so. Overall, what's your general view of the earnings figures as they were? So generally, earnings season has gone relatively well. What I would say is there's a lot more bumps in the road than you would typically see. So quite often when you see, for example, the financial firms doing quite well, you do see it quite broad-based. Or when you see tech doing well, you, you see similar trends uh, going throughout. And especially you look at the tech sector over the course of the last week so, and you, you see Netflix um, uh, over the last couple of weeks, really, and you see Netflix stuttering, and that sets up the potential for a worrying earnings season. Then you see Microsoft, Apple, uh, Alphabet uh, blow expectations out of the water, and all of a sudden you've got investors back on track, and you've got this idea that tech could actually perform really well in this earnings season. 
And then you get Facebook or Meta, as you say, it's called, and Spotify, and all of a sudden the concerns that you were seeing with regards to Netflix, etc., come back into force, uh, and now Amazon. So it, there's been a lot of uh, speed bumps, uh, a lot of potholes, sorry, along the way. And um, maybe that's just indicative of where we are right now, but in terms of the markets as well. It seems that every time we start to move in a positive direction, there's a stumble. And um, I think that's going to be symptomatic, really, of what things are like in this first quarter. Once we start to see inflation peak, maybe around April time, then we could maybe start to see a lot more positive sentiment, maybe even a bit before then, once we start to see signs that inflation has already peaked from the surveys and things. Maybe we'll start to see more optimism. But it feels like the earnings season so far... Kind of like the overall economy right now. The economy is doing quite well, much better position than we thought before, especially in the US. Much better positions, but plenty of obstacles still ahead. And it almost feels like that's been reflected in the earnings season so far. But broadly speaking, it's performing quite well. So I think maybe investors will not be blown away, but will certainly be relieved. It's been quite a week, really, hasn't it? Particularly both here in the UK and the US. Uh, we saw that uh, rate increase from the Bank of England and uh, a raft of other uh, data. What about the next seven days? What should we look out for? What are the highlights for you? Compared to the last couple of weeks, it is going to be much quieter in terms of economic data. Some of the real big hitters we've had over the last uh, week in particular. Also, uh, from a kind of central bank perspective, we've had the Fed out the way, the ECB, Bank of England and others over the last week or two. So we do have fewer of the more widely followed central banks. Um, We do still have a number of different decisions next week. I think we've got things like India, we've got Thailand, Poland, uh, Mexico, Sweden, uh, and I think Russia on Friday as well, which is going to be an interesting one because they're expected to raise their interest rates uh, by uh, 100 basis points and 9.5%. They've actually been hiking rates for pretty much a year now as inflation has continued to rise and they don't seem to have had much success on the inflation side. Uh, so they're looking to raise interest rates once more. Currently, inflation is more than double what it was. Um, so there's a big focus on Russia next week in terms of the interest rate decision, but also the inflation data earlier on in the week. And obviously, because it's the centre of the geopolitical storm as well in regards to Ukraine, uh, we could see a big spotlight uh, over uh, over Russia over the course of the next week. But like I say, a lot of the big hitting data has come over the last week or two. So I think it's going to be a much quieter week on that front. And a lot more focus now on individual central bank speak. So that's going to be comments from Fed policymakers, ECB policymakers in particular, uh, especially given the non-farm payrolls report we've just had, but also the shift that we thought saw from Christine Lagarde last week. We need now a lot more information about what we can expect from the ECB. It's clear that in March we're going to see a big policy U-turn from the central bank. The question now becomes just how big a turn and how many people are going to support it. Craig, thanks very much for joining us today. Have a great weekend and we'll speak to you next week. You too. Thanks a lot. This is the Oanda Podcast.